Welcome, everyone. The CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, March the 28th. Uh, as we record this podcast, we're a little something special for you this week. We're going to have two shows for you, one football, one basketball, um, bringing on some special guests for the Hoops podcast since, uh, since the normal crew has been talking basketball for a while. Um, but tonight we're going to talk spring football. Uh, UV had its first practice of the spring today, uh, a very spirited couple of hours that, that luckily media folks got a chance to see. And, and if you haven't yet, make sure you check out the practice report on the message board. Um, so, yeah, let's let's dive into it. Uh, with me on the show tonight is David Spence out in Fishersville. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. David Spence, who days on the board at who days on Twitter? You know, it's funny. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, you know, it's funny. It's that a lot of the I listen to a lot of podcasts, right? And so, like, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, like, have, like, little segments that they do at the beginning of the shows. Like, a hashtag ask David would be kind of funny. Like, um, if I put it out and was like, hey, anybody got questions for dates? So, like. Like random stuff, like what did you have for breakfast today or something? You know, we should totally do that because I think people would be very interested in what you had for breakfast today, Dave. Uh, Ferber is not on the show tonight. He uh, is uh, is out this week uh, on the injury report with uh, with a with a head. Uh, apparently, <laughs> upper <laughs> he, extremity. Hopefully, he's we, we joke, but hopefully he's he's okay. He caught yeah. a, a soccer ball to the dome uh, the other day and is having some concussion like symptoms or something. So he decided maybe to to, to kind of sit this one out, uh, and hopefully he uh, gets checked out. And everything's cool. Um, so thoughts out to to Ferber. Hopefully his his brain is fine. Um, okay, so UVA opened spring ball today. Um, you obviously have had a chance, Dave, to to read the the practice report that I posted. See some pictures online. Um, give me some of your general reactions. Uh, I'm curious to hear. Some of what you what you thought. I, I obviously am in. The, I'm out of the business of prognostication when it comes to to practice. My my job, I don't believe, really is to kind of is to tell folks how good somebody's going to be. I'm just I'm I'm kind of just reporting what I see and what what is factual. So and so did this. So and so did that. So and so looks bigger. So and so uh, looks lighter. But I'm not going to get into how that translates into wins and losses. I got pretty bit by that last year, so I'm not doing that again. But anyway, what 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 were your general sort of reactions uh, to to seeing? Uh, kind of what you saw today. Well, first off, I mean, <clears throat> the first spring practice is kind of when the podcast started. So it, all, it is. When that's we, true. Whenever we have the first spring practice, I kind of remember how many hours of my life I've spent talking about Virginia sports on this thing. Um, but yeah, it's when you have a a team that's had many, many <laughs> years in a row without bowl success. Um, the spring is the first chance you get to kind of start working some of those guys who, who didn't get much playing time in the previous season. Um, certainly, we all know how last year went and the deficiencies deficiencies we saw on the field. Um, you're not going to fix that in the spring, but you know the hope is that you you lay down some foundation f- um, to build on through the rest of the uh, the warm weather month as we head up to the fall. Um, for me, kind of like you, I mean, I feel like as 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 good as I think we are at prognosticating when it comes to basketball, it's almost we're the exact opposite when it comes to football. Um, it it hurts your prod a little bit when you when you see the team and you think the pieces are there and the wins don't come. Um, mm-hmm. So just like you, I mean, I think 
you know, lots of question marks. Um, so it's just for me, um, what I'm hoping to see out of the spring is less discussion of the stuff we talked about last year with will development and culture building and right. all that stuff. Look, that stuff's great, but it's time to, uh, you know, the guy, the staff should have a pretty good understanding of what the players are now. And it's time to start, you know, seeing some game planning and, and, um, talent development versus culture development. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good place to start actually. Cause I think that was something that a lot of folks were, um, concerned about uh worried for um look and i understand that for a lot of people you know you're recovering right you're recovering from the last however many years and it's tough to watch a team that you heard all about this i mean look a lot of it was good stuff and i I don't want to go back and, and revise history and act like oh they were just saying that because the execution was so horrible i do think and and having watched what they asked those kids to do last year you know, I do think there was a lot of development in terms of their culture, in terms of uh, guys, you know, doing hard things together. The the mantras and, and little sayings and stuff that come out of this 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 program sometimes can be frustrating because the results on the field just weren't there, right? And I don't think we should we should throw the baby out with the bathwater there. I think we should understand that two things can be true at once. It was good that they 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 developed some some good habits in terms of how they approach the 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 whole thing and how they kind of view it. But also, too, the execution was was at times deplorable, and those two things can be equal at the same time. I think that's that's one of the big uh, my big takeaways from last season. Actually, is having I, I watched those practices and, and saw you know these kids who had not done this type of stuff before, and I and I can see the physical transformations that you have in people, and yet I also saw plenty of bad football. So I think that for folks who are worried about there being such an emphasis on culture, that there's literally none of that other than. Uh, there are no numbers, but other than that, that's it. Um, that that there is no more. Like it looked like you would expect a uh, a high tempo sort of practice to look, and that's I think what most people were hoping for. Um, I think one of the things too that that kind of struck me today in watching practice, and and I don't know if this necessarily came through in the practice report, was just how um, how different a lot of the kids looked physically. Um, I mean, Jake Feeler, for example. Uh, who I believe is going to be Virginia's center this season, uh, he looked as big as Jackson Mateo looked small. Jackson Mateo is going to be a grad assistant, I believe, this year, and he, he's lost. Uh, I think he said he's down 50 pounds. Or he, he doesn't want to go, like, too crazy with it, but he wants to, he wants to lose some weight. Um, I felt like Feeler was one of those guys that clearly, to me, looked – I mean, Chris Peace, for example. I mean, Chris Peace looked, looked like a defensive end now. Um, I, I'm not sure what they list Chris as, but – in terms of the way he physically looked, I thought he he, he looked the part. Yeah, he's at, he's he's listed at six one two forty five now. Um, so defensive end linebacker, he's he's right there. I just thought that Virginia looked not I don't want to say looked weak, but they just didn't look strong at, at, at multiple times last year. So the physical transformations were something that I thought that were important to see. Um, clearly, what uh, what Broncos said about needing to be physically stronger was obviously a big point of emphasis in the off-season conditioning and, and guys that really responded to that. And I think for me, that's one of the things I was looking for in this spring. I wanted to see a team that looked more mature, not necessarily just in terms of guys looking more comfortable in their positions, but also in terms of them looking you know, like college football players. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not trying to you know, poo-poo what they did last year. Um, you know, the, the end of the grow years and, and the London years – you don't have to dig very deep or you know ask people who are connected to the program 
to understand or to get a feeling for how bad things were not on just on the field, but all the way through the program, you know, down to support staff and everything else. It was just disjointed and everything, you know, all the way down to the academic connection to the, to the football program. So it certainly needed to be improved. Bronco talked about that when he came in. Um, and maybe five years from now, we kind of look back and we can appreciate the sacrifice of that first year to build it. Um, I'm trying to be an optimist because that's what I do come football season. Um, you know, we saw not first year success, but a very good second year under Mike London that we were unable to sustain. So, you know, my hope is all the all that stuff they did last year, getting the culture right, working on you know the grades and the class, the academic connections, a a congruent uh, um, strength and conditioning program that's feeding into what the team does on the field, which is something that we kind of overlooked with the changing of the guard of the strength coach. I believe London had Mark. So we had Marcus towards the end of grow, then maybe the beginning of London, then he left, then he came back. Um, I feel so like it was, was it, the end of grow and then he left and then he came back for the end of London. Yeah. Or so, the, the, you know, the, I guess the last, like two of the last three years, it was that last year that they appoint that they, uh, cause they had the guy from Florida, right? Florida. Yeah. They're kind then, of the speed guy. And then so. they brought in Brandon Horgan. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Is that his name? It was something like that. That name was sounded, he the Florida guy, or was he the guy? Because they 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 know you know what Horgan was the guy from Florida. Then they also yep. once Marcus left to go back to the NFL, they um, promoted one of the guys from from um, from inside. It was was it it wasn't Tedford, was it? It was it was Brian something. Uh, yeah, you're just, man, this is, this you're is just kind of illustrating my point. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm sure was, all you guys out there are really enjoying that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, my point is like obviously changes need to be made to have sustained success, um, and they they were hopefully. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to see look the chances of you seeing you know being able to prove that's the case this year. They don't exist. It, it's seeing it three or four years down the road from now and continued improvement on it. Um, so look, it had to be done. It's done. But now it's time to play some football, and it, it sounds like even the coaching staff is talking that way, um, and, and that's encouraging to me because, look, you only have so many practices before that first game is here, um, and obviously you have a, a lot of, um, even though we've got some very key p- pieces back. I mean, I hate to be talking about this team without Blanding or Kaiser back to kind of anchor the defense, but um, certainly you know on the lines, as I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. There's positions that have to be improved. There's a lot of players coming in in August um, with transfers, especially on the offensive line, who are probably going to play right away. So, you know, developing depth and everything happens now because you don't get the benefit of those bowl practices that all the other programs do. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point, a nice segue. I think because look, I I think that it's important to understand that Virginia's offensive line issues are not just numbers, but the numbers make them. Uh, the, the numbers exacerbate the issue, right? So, like, for example, I, I thought from what I saw today that uh, it was clear to me that some, in, in some cases, uh, they're, going, they're going with the best talent they've got, and their best talent they've got isn't, 
isn't good enough. It it definitely seemed to me that that um, that there weren't consist there wasn't just wasn't consistency. Now, what's interesting about this spring uh, at UVA is that the issues on the off- offensive line in terms of numbers. And look, let's be honest, football teams everywhere. Okay, that's the spring is is a, very very often teams are going to be down offensive linemen in the spring because guys are getting surgery from the previous year. That's when you clean up shoulders and elbows and hands and um, that kind of thing. So it's it's very common for teams to be going to spring and not necessarily have the full complement of offensive linemen. For Virginia, because they've got literally eight extra offensive linemen that are going to join the program uh, before the season starts. You have eight. Then you're also down two with, with Proctor uh, and Bischoff. And so the fact that they don't have ten offensive linemen, right, ten offensive linemen, and you're not even talking about like – Guys who are – we can get into starting spots and slotting and all that fun stuff later. I mean, you're just talking pure bodies. I mean, like, the idea that – like, there's just zero chance, right, that they could have a spring game this year with the limited Ooh. offensive linemen they have. But I think one thing that stuck out to me today was something about this spring that's going to be really hard uh, to, to gauge, and I'm kind of glad I'm out of the prediction business, is the – because not only that, but then, like, Andrew Brown isn't, isn't participating – uh, this spring because of the shoulder surgery that we all expected him to have after that uh, that Duke game. Um, Virginia is very light on the defensive line as well. They're still looking for a, for an heir apparent nose tackle. Their best defensive lineman uh, isn't isn't participating. Um, and so, in a lot of ways, it's going to be tough to gauge. Is the offense is the offense having problems because the offensive line is really that struggling that bad? Or is it actually that some of these younger defensive linemen are good? Is the offensive line having uh, uh, is the offensive line having a good day because the defensive line, you know, like even when like there was there was this one long run that Ham had, and I thought it was a, I mean, he had great leverage, uh, he he showed very good vision. I, I was really impressed with it, and then I, I had to stop myself and say, well, wait a minute, is that is that real? Is what I just saw real, or is it because of other things happening elsewhere on the field? And so I think that's going to be sort of a struggle that they have this year. I think the thing, good thing for them going forward is that um, I, I like the idea of having a couple of defensive end slash linebacker hybrid kids that you can put on the field who at times can be linemen, who at times can be ends and at times can be outside backers. Um, I, I thought that was a nice little wrinkle. And I, I, like I said in the, um, in the uh, practice report, I will be really shocked if Virginia plays a lot of traditional 3-4. Um, Bronco mentioned it, as you can see in the video. I mean, he talked about – you know that they're already kind of going outside of what might be their comfort zone, or maybe their 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 conventional sort of uh, sort of look. And I think that's actually a good thing for the defense in the sense that as much versatility as they can build into the thing, as much as they can kind of cater what they do to specifically to the talent they have, um, it is is going to be a good thing. And man, what, what, speaking of good things, was it was it good? To see Malcolm Cook out there today, man. Um, I had heard some, you know, some of the buzz last year. You know, when 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 he wasn't playing, but he was on the sideline. It was clearly not a, you know, it wasn't a knee situation. He he wasn't he wasn't showing any, you know, any sort of limp, or he wasn't wearing any kind of brace or bandage on any kind of shoulder or anything. So clearly, it was something internal. Um, to read Jeff White's story and and hear the specifics that I had to heard before, I had heard that it was a heart thing, but I just didn't know the depths. Um, I, I mean, look. When you when Bronco was asked about that, watch the video when he's asked, and he 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 takes a moment to kind of collect himself because he kind of can't talk for a second. Um, it, it was obviously a very harrowing sort of situation, and certainly um, uh, a scary situation for Malcolm. But to to see him out there again, flying around and and, and really kind of looking like himself, I just I didn't think he looked like a guy who didn't play last year. 
Um, that to me, Malcolm might be the most important player on this team, and I, I'm not saying that because I want to put a whole lot of pressure on the kid who who obviously didn't play last year. I know that sounds foolish, but in terms of what he can bring, he has a special skill set and a, and a physicality that he can bring to the table. I, I just really believe that he's important. Is there a guy on this team, Dave, that you look at and you say this guy is the most important guy? And I mean, I, we could point to to Micah or, or to Quinn, but but in general, in, in terms of you know difference between maybe Virginia having a a good or great season versus having a mediocre or or what has become normal season. Do you have a guy that you're that you look at and you say, you know what, this this dude's the key? I mean, I think defensively, um, it's going to be whoever ends up at the nose tackle spot. Um, I mean, it sounds like Broncos already you know thinking away from the two gap you know defense and going more attacking with maybe a smaller nose tackle just out of necessity um, with um, Moye and Trusilla. and then. Certainly, you know, look, you can, you can do that. Um, I think how that position produces is going to be big. So, I mean, it's hard for me to say. I think you're right. Cook's going to be huge just because of the, some of the attrition we had at linebacker, um, plus what he can do. But, you know, it, when, you, when you run a three-man front, it doesn't matter if it's 3-3-5 three, three, or 3-4, or, or, three, or even some kind of modified look. You better have a big man that can occasionally take on a blocker. Um, so that's going to be huge defensively. And then offensively, um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard not to say the quarterback in, in the game today. Um, I think that's a little bit easy. So I'm going to go, you know, with OZ. It, it, I think he's the most dynamic weapon we have. Um, and and I figured it'd be a nice segue for you to talk about that part of the day. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You're not supposed to talk about segues out loud. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, Dave, I, want I don't to, want you I to, to be think, like Segway King twice in a row. I wasn't no, trying to. But I don't want you to think you're, you're that you don't matter. You matter. Trust me, you matter. <laughs> but I, 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 I think that maybe you, you, next time the Segway, just just do it and don't don't talk about it. <laughs> no, I thought um, you know Lama Day. It was interesting. Um, I got what eight eight player interviews out of this thing today, and so I I'm going to roll them out uh, pretty aggressively between now and the next practice for obvious reasons. Um, but I think that's going to be one that folks are going to be interested to hear. I mean, he kind of takes ownership for for last year in a way that that I thought was really telling. I, I mean, he he admitted he just didn't think he was mentally there last year. Now, I, I tried to push him a little bit to kind of dig a little bit deeper and see if does that mean you know mentally you just weren't uh, handling uh, the the season well? Did you struggle because it was you know fr- because of frustration? But it seems like to me he he really struggled with being able to to have the the right mentality um and, and i mean i thought it was i thought it was kind of refreshing to hear a guy say hey yeah that was on me he didn't he didn't point any fingers at, at folks for you know utilization he wasn't saying like hey i wasn't getting the ball um maybe part of that maybe part of his frustration was that who knows i just think that it was imp- impressive to me that he that he brought it on himself and basically said you know pointed himself pointed at himself and said look that was me uh, I needed to be in the right mindset. I'm I'm there now. And look, he he looked on the field. Uh, again, I'm not getting in the prognostication business again, but he he looked like the kind of guy that that you can you can build around. And he he reminded me in a lot of ways. Uh, even though he was kind of primarily getting all of his touches at wide receiver, you know, he was moved all around the field. I saw him wide. I saw him in the slot. I saw him in motion. I saw him everywhere except for I don't think I saw him actually in the backfield. Uh, I just thought that his his maturity and kind of the way he approached it, that he's approaching what happened last year was important. Um, but there's no doubt to me, uh, Malcolm Cook. I guess like, we, we probably should have an offensive player and a defensive player when we start talking about like most you know important. 
Lamine is the guy. Now, that being said, I do think that Virginia is in a very good position to replace Taquan Mizell and Albert Reed. Now, Smoke was so everywhere. Like, if you think about, like, the impact he had on the passing game, the impact he had on the running game, like, he was everywhere. And so in order to replace a guy like that, you're probably not going to just have one dude who walks in and gets all those touches. What I think Virginia does have is a nice complement of backs. I think Daniel Ham is poised to have a solid season. Uh, Jordan Ellis, as I mentioned, looked a little uh, leaner to me. Um, he definitely looked a, a step faster. Um, you know, he, he hit the hole a little faster. He, he didn't look quite as rugged. Um, and I'll be interested to see what it looks like next week because um, we get practice next Thursday. It'll be interesting to me to see how he looks in full pads. Uh, is that something that that kind of carries over in terms of when when guys when you're when you when you know when um, when guys are, are able to to really take you to the ground? Now, I really do think though that the two young kids are going to get time back there. Lamont Atkins and Jamari Peacock. Peacock looked, as I said, like easily the most comfortable. Uh, early enrollee that I've ever seen. Um, I remember going to practice like the the first uh, when when Donnie Dallin was a freshman. Remember that season, right? Because everybody was excited about Jamari um, um, uh, Jamil Kamara, and I remember yeah. saying like, "Hey, man, look, this Dallin kid knows what's up. Like, he's exactly where he needs to be. He never has to slow down to ask or play. He's where he where he's supposed to be, and he's going to play." And I remember people you know laughing me down like, oh, "This two star kid from Richmond's not going to play," and he did. And Peacock has that same sort of feel to him. Like, he just he's just where he's supposed to be. He's a good teammate. I saw him several times, you know, rushing up to, to talk to the offensive linemen who were coming out, guys who were upperclassmen compared to him, you know? So I, I just thought that in terms of, of, of looking the part, I thought Peacock did a good job of that. Um, so offensively, I, I think Virginia has some, some weapons. It's always going to come down to quarterback play in college. I mean, that's you're just never going to have a good team, as Robert and I like mentioned to us in, in Blacksburg, you know, you're never going to have a, a good team with a, with a mediocre quarterback or a bad quarterback or whatever it was he said. And so to me, we got to talk about Ben Kirk. There's just no way around it. What are you looking for from Ben Kirk this spring, Dave? What do you, what do you, want, what do you want at the end of spring ball to, to look back and, and say about what, what you saw or heard or, or whatever from, from Kirk? I mean, it's got to be pocket presence. I mean, I, I think that's what – look, he's got all the physical tools in the world. Um, yeah. His arm is huge. He can he can make every throw on the field, um, and, but he just struggled so mightily in the pocket, um, especially from like the Connecticut game on. And yeah, you know, he he got out too fast. He he made some throws that he shouldn't make because of it. He ran into trouble too often. Um, like, honestly, I don't want to simplify things, but and I don't know if that's something you fix at this point in, in your career. Um, maybe it was knee related. Maybe it was that shoulder injury. I know Bronco kind of mentioned, you know, he didn't realize how bad that shoulder affected him. Um, but you know, because of the way the season ended, I think it's really easy to say, you know what, we really have a hole at quarterback, but Ben Kurt had a run of three or four games there. Like we hadn't seen since Matt Schaub, you know, with passing numbers. So he's got the potential, um, you know, his pocket presence can improve. Maybe he doesn't have to improve as much as the offensive line blocks better, and we have a you know more substantial running game, um, consistent running game. But yeah, I think that's it. I mean, it's not like he needs to learn how to throw a ball or needs to learn the offense. He knew it. He just needs to trust you know trust the pocket and trust his instincts. Um, and it seems like he's made some strides that way. I mean, clearly he didn't have the brace on today. Um, 
in the pictures I saw. I didn't get to go to practice like big wigs over here. Um, and then he certainly looks lighter, uh, which can't hurt. Now, the downside is you know, after after that quarterback rotation debacle at, in Blacksburg, you already – I, I kind of heard the words, and maybe I misheard, but I kind of heard there might be some running packages for Cross because of what he brings in Xander's. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that certainly raises a red flag for you. Um, you don't want to get in a situation where you're running Benkert out on second and one to run in the running quarterback. Who's yeah? No, I know, I know, I know. Look, yeah. I, here's 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 the way I would characterize that. One, Benkert is is the, the he doesn't have to wear the knee brace anymore because he's a year and a half out. And between that and he said he lost twenty pounds. He even said like at the beginning of uh, of in camp last year he realized that maybe he was a little heavy. Um, but he he definitely looks it. He looks uh, he looks lighter on his feet. He looks more spry. Um, I also. I can't say that that I could really grade his pocket presence because realistically, a lot of what I saw today, when pressure was there, it was there really quick. I mean, he was barely. I mean, his his back foot had barely hit the ground in, in his drop um, to when some of that pressure got there. That having been said, I think the experience last year certainly seems to have prepared him um, for what he needed to do in the off season, and certainly I, I think he understands that pocket presence and and ball security um, are going to dictate whether or not this is a good season for him. Now, uh, on on Devontae Cross, before before the team actually started practice, several guys uh, were kind of milling about. They kind of looked getting ready or whatever. And I saw the quarterbacks kind of throwing to each other, and they went outside from the indoor into the outside where it was raining, and they were throwing kind of like these little uh, outs in the flats. And Dowling went over and was catching some for him, and Cross – it was it, the, the way that he would basically quarterback takes the ball turns turns to his right takes a few you know a few steps runs a little, you know like a run, runs a few steps and then throws it right he wasn't accurate and i'm not trying to pretend that he was i mean there this, this i think i saw him through three maybe four and i don't think i admit one of them was pretty close the other one's a little bit a little bit wide the pop he had on the ball and the way he moved his feet i could t- i can absolutely see it um, I could see him coming into packages where essentially you've told the defense, hey, something different's coming, and then he just runs the exact same stuff. Um, I could totally see him have packages where he, he, he essentially has some, some read option stuff, but he also plays off of that with some of what I would call the normal offense, right? Um, in terms of, a, a, of, of any kind of platooning or packages or what have you, I understand why after folks saw what happened in Blacksburg, I can totally see why they might look at this and go, yeah, you know, I don't want to do any of that. But the kid had some moments on the read option that I thought really good instincts. Um, again, I'm not going to grade it in terms of what I saw from the defense or that. I just think that he's an, that, that them creating a package for him is nothing remotely close to them thinking that they needed to create anything for, for the other quarterbacks last year in Blacksburg. I, I, there, it's just, if, you, if, you had a, if you had a kid like Devontae Cross, you would probably want to do that now. That being said, it makes sense then because you also have a graduate transfer that's coming in who fits in a very similar mold, right? So if you have a pocket package for Cross, maybe it also kind of fits with your package for Xander. And yeah. if you can put Marvin in that position considering his experience and you already have something clearly defined for him before he even gets there, I think that actually is a smart thing to do. You're essentially using Cross as, as an example of what would we do if, and then you have something for them both to, to work from. And then you almost have some competition between the two of them. Like, hey, if, if we want to have a package for, for a read option look here, um, what are we going to do? Now, I don't know how I feel 
<laughs> and you know me, I'm, I'm, I, I genuinely know exactly how I feel. I don't know how I feel about the idea of having a, uh, of having Cross on the field at the same time as Ben Kirk. There were a couple times today where like Ben Kirk basically motions out wide, and it, I mean, you might as well just tell the the other team, uh, don't cover a dude. I mean. I guess I guess the DB has to stay home just in case, you know. But basically, you're just giving that guy free a, a playoff. I, I'm not sure I'm a fan of that, um, and and certainly it would have to be situational. Um, teams, I guess, would be ready for cross if if that happened more than once. But anyway, um, I, I do think it's smart to to have some stuff for for cross, and I do think uh, the way they handle it will be, you know, that's where the devil will be, right? It's in the details. After cool. every after what happened in Blacksburg, I totally get why people don't give them any. Any benefit of the doubt, um, but I do think it's smart because I think the kid does have some. He has some 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 good uh, athletic ability that I think you could use. Yeah, well, I mean, like I, I mentioned it because look, we're we're, we're looking. <laughs> I'm trying not to be Mister Positive with football anymore. I'm trying to be a little more even keel. But the, um, I mean, obviously you, you've got to have some packages for cross. You don't have a backup like Ben Kurt ready to roll. I mean, I mean, it seems like. My, my guess is it'll settle out with, with Ben Kurt as a starter and, and Xanders as a backup um, just because of his experience. And I don't know if that'll be the case if Cross has a great spring. I mean, he does have 20 whatever practices, whatever number of practices it is, to really make a case for himself that Xanders isn't going to have a chance until the fall to do. Um, so you gotta you, you got to have a backup quarterback. Uh, Xanders and, and Cross are completely different than Ben Kurt, so they're going to need a slightly different offense. Um but you, you continue to hear Bronco now over the past few times I've heard him talk. I think last year he it kind of, you know, if you look at his, his teams at BYU, he's kind of more than not, he's had a dual threat at quarterback, um, except for you know Tanner Mangum recently. And that was really the only reason he was playing is because Taysom Hill was hurt. Um, but you know, Bronco has said repeatedly how much of a, having a dual threat quarterback makes offense better. And I, I think that's the way the offense is going to trend once once that dual threat quarterback is the best quarterback in the system. Um, you know, you look at you know Wyatt Rector and you know even Lindell Stone to some some extent. He's got a little bit of a wiggle in his game, but he's more pocket passer than than dual threat. So, I mean, look, we I, I like to have both. I think Binker's got the ability to to be a very good quarterback. Um, but it all comes down to pocket presence, so hopefully he can work on that a lot. Hopefully that's much improved, and hopefully his shoulder being better, dropping a little weight, and him getting more confidence in his knee, you know, will push it that way. Um, certainly, a a, um, a more solidified offensive line certainly would not hurt. Yeah, I mean that's the, the you know, I mean that's the that's the one drawback of spring ball, which is you just don't you're just not sure what they're going to get from the offensive line, and it's tough to project. I, I think other thing I want to talk about tonight is, um, you know, you mentioned a second ago that you don't want to be, uh, <laughs> you don't want to be just a total um, um, I don't PAD. Think, <laughs> uh, I don't want you to. I don't want to make it seem like everything is rosy because obviously they got some serious challenges. I don't also want to always talk about the negative. I mean, I think we we have to be somewhat balanced in that, and it, it, I, I would tend to go realistic as much as possible. And so the offensive line is a serious concern. The defensive line is a serious concern. I think 
Um, how things settle out at middle linebacker at the other inside linebacker spot is is interesting. You know, I saw C.J. Stalker get some burn today. Uh, I thought um, uh, Giovanni Simmons had some moments. Uh, Dom Shepard looks physically like a guy who could fit there. Um, Jordan Max said he's being cross trained at all of the linebacker positions, which I found interesting. Um, and given you know some of the other pieces they have, it makes sense that they might go with a you know a three three five sort of stack. Um, which I, I think might even be a big strength for them, because then I, I do think one of the one of the deepest parts of this team is their secondary. I mean, you're moving Thornhill and Miles Robinson from corner to safety because you just have a plethora of good cornerbacks. And I mean, I, and and Jermaine Crowell wasn't even out there today. So I, I I do think that one of the positives of this team is that defensively they have a lot of talent, uh, and they have talent that can make up maybe for their deficiencies. Um, now, nose tackle is going to be a little bit more interesting because you can't you can't make up for that. Juwan Moye says, you know, he's put on however much weight. I think he said he's too. Less Moye he has um, on the on the on the roster they handed us today. He's two seventy five. I feel like he said he was two eighty something. Um, and it's apparently you know he feels comfortable with that weight. He wants to put on a little bit more. Um, so I kind of feel like. He's probably the answer at nose tackle. Um, not to not to downgrade the chances that James Trusilla or you know Mandy Alonzo or whoever can't come in and, and and earn some time. I just think that in terms of being the the, the guys the guy who runs the ones, um, Moye makes a lot of sense. Now, defensively, I think they have a lot of playmakers. You know, Cook in the mix is is a good thing. Uh, I'm very you know a more mature physically. Chris Peace is a good thing. You've already got Quinn and Micah, so you know what you're you're, you're going to get there. Um, the the drawback I think I have with the defense, and again I'm trying to find that balance between positive and negative, right? Is creating pressure on the quarterback. That's the thing to me that I'm going to have a really tough time getting a feel for this spring be, because I don't know how I can grade it against what I know is a is a rough offensive line. And so when I see guys. When I see guys getting pressure on Ben Kirk in, in these practices, I, I just don't know if I can say that's going to translate. Um, overall, I, I feel like they have a lot of they have a lot of good pieces, and and there's a very good chance that they can have a good defense. But I also can look at it and say, but if they don't get pressure on the quarterback, they're going to be in a world of hurt. Um, I, I think the the physical maturation process for like Bryce Hall, uh, Nick Grant, um, Chris Moore, Young. Uh, defensive backs. I mean, Tim Harris looks like he didn't miss a season. I mean, that dude, he he looked the part. Uh, he might have been in red, but he he did everything I saw out there today. So I I, I guess with the defense, I'm very much in a, in a I'm a much less in a wait and see mode than I am with the offense. But I'm definitely cautiously optimistic if that's a if that's a, a phrase we're allowed to say about a UVA an ex a component of UVA football. Uh, I guess let's 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 wrap it up here, Dave. Talk to me a little bit about the defense in general and and kind of where's your apprehension on that side of the ball is it is it just the the in, in unanswered the two unanswered questions in terms of position um or is it or is it bigger than that yeah i, I think it's just it's the nose i mean that's kind of what what, stir, what keeps that defense going um look the defense obviously we lost word we lost um terrell who did play very well at points during last season and word certainly came on strong toward the end of the year. Um, I, we're going to, you know, I, I wish he was still here of, of, if I had to pick one of the two, it would be word. Um, 
But look, you, you said you got back to NFL caliber players who could have left. Um, so if you're going to be figuring out who the other linebacker is in the middle, it's much as much better to be figuring out when you got Micah Kaiser next to him. Um, and then, you know, Quinn, Quinn with the, with the returners, you know, with Harris coming back from injury and with the playing time that, that Hall and Robinson and, um, Thornhill got last, last year, all of a sudden you go from a very young secondary to a very experienced second secondary. And then because of the size of some of those guys, the whole concept of, can we find a fourth linebacker? Do we go three, three, five against most of the teams on our schedule becomes a little irrelevant because Quinn can come down and play the, you know, play like a linebacker when needed. And, you know, Hall and, or Robinson even with their size can do it. Um, so you have a lot of flexibility and getting back to what Bronco has, has alluded to, you know, last year being more about culture development, you know, will before skill, the way you get pressure with a three, four, unless you just have a, a world-class nose tackle and, and defensive end, you know, Chris Long, like is you do it by surprising them where, where you're bringing your pressure from. And last year we were very vanilla in our defense because the guys were just trying to figure out where to be when they're supposed to be there without any blitz packages or without any special pressures. Um, and then you'd, you'd see we dial it up towards the end of games. Like, you know, the sack against Duke was a blitz we hadn't taken the whole day. So I'm not too worried about where the pressure is going to come from on defense just because of that's the nice thing about, you know, the 3-4, three, the 3-3-5 three, three, or whatever. It's the defense doesn't know where it's coming from either. And we certainly have athletes who, if you bring them in and just say, all right, go get them from the outside, they can bring some pressure. Um, the issue for me is going to continue to be how do you stop that te- team on third and short when you don't have a, a nose like Dante? Um, it can be done. I mean, Groh had some very good defenses with Andrew Hoffman at the at the nose, who is probably more size, if not a little smaller. Um, so, it, but that's I think that's the key. It, if Moye or Trisella or uh, Alonzo or even Jack Powers become better than we, you know, become what we hope they could be as a nose tackle, then all of a sudden all those other pieces, you know, if you got two offensive linemen having to block your nose tackle every every play, you can bring a lot more pressure. So, I mean, I guess uh, the short answer is we we still got a lot of questions on the defensive side of the ball, but I think we're we're kind of foolish to say. It's yeah, to not appreciate the fact that you you essentially got back two NFL caliber players to help you figure it out. Um, not many teams can say that. I mean, number one and t- number two in the ACC for two straight years is pretty insane in tackles. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and the other thing too is I think um, you know it's not to me it's not just the it's not just the the amount of experience they bring back. I do like a lot of the mix of talent. I, I mean. I think you, you take a kid like a Jermaine Crowell and you add him to this group um, and you know they're going to – I mean, look, when they're healthy, this you know, theoretically when, when they get there this fall, I think they're going to have a lot, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good options. And so the question is going to be execution. And I guess that's a good, good kind of wraparound, sort of, you know, bring us back to the beginning, which is, you know, last year was a, was a, was a year where they were focused on, on a lot of things. This year they're focused on that one thing. And I, I really I'm interested to see, uh, you know, what they, what they look like next week when they've been able to practice several more times. Uh, and certainly by the time they get to the spring festival, 
Um, I'm not sure what they'll what they'll actually do out there. Maybe it'll just be an open practice essentially. Um, but I, I I think that they they seem to be um, very cognizant of their issues in in a very I think very upfront kind of way. Um, I, I don't think I've heard anything from Bronco to make me think that they're not very aware, acutely aware of of what's going on and what the what the issues are. So uh, I think this is a good place to to put a pin in it. Want to thank Dave for giving me. Um, some of his time on a Tuesday night. Uh, this was supposed to be a week where we let the the normal guys take a week off. Um, unfortunately, um, I got an idea to do two shows. <laughs> so thanks, Dave, for 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 being willing to to come on the show. Thank everybody out there for for supporting the show as always. Remember, you can always uh, give us a look uh, on your favorite podcast app if you don't like uh, listening to the show via your mobile browser. You can always uh, download something like. Um, um, the um, stock podcast apps uh, on iOS overcast is a really good one. Uh, look up Cavs corner, po- Cavs corner podcast. And, and certainly um, that'll, you know, be an easier way to listen. So again, thanks everybody out there for your support of the show. And thanks again to, uh, to Dave, hopefully Ferber will be back with us uh, next week. Um, so for David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.